Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Stand to your feet. Let us worship and praise the name of Jesus, for he alone is worthy. Amen. Is he worthy? Amen. I guess I'm talking to myself. Come on, praise him. Hallelujah. See you right there, on Right there, on branches he who abides in me will forever be fruitful indeed i am the way the truth and the light no one gets to the father except that he comes through me Let not mercy and truth say forsake you, forsake you. Let not mercy and truth say forsake you, say forsake you. Say right, right them on the tablet of your heart. So we'll take the word and we really, really, really ought to write on the tablet of your heart. I am the way, I am the way, the truth and the light, the truth and the light, no one gets to the Father, except 
thank you. Let not mercy, oh God, say forsake you. Forsake you. Say right. Write them on, write them on the tablet of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your mind. Trust in the Lord with all your strength. Sing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your strength. Trust in the Lord with all your strength. Trust in the Lord. I will lean on you.
hide your word. I will hide your word in my heart. I will hide your word. I will hide your word in my heart. Hey, say, trust in the Lord. Continue to worship the Lord in the house of God. Are we happy to be in God's house one more time? Are we happy to be God's house another Sunday? This is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. For this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in him. We are going to pray today's service that God will continue to abide with us as he has been. And we continue to trust him. There's a song that says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promises. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Father, we thank you this day. We thank you for opening our hearts to you, God. Thank you for allowing you to come to us, God. Lord, when we did not know or we did not desire, Lord God, to, uh, the, 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 the gift of salvation, the, the, the grace of God that has been revealed and has been given and has been shared, Lord God, because you came and you become Oh, God, sinful flesh, oh, God, and yet without sin, condemned sin in the flesh. We give you thanks because you looked upon our sufferings. You looked upon, oh, God, our transgressions, and you blot them out, God, with the purchasing of your blood. And so, God, help us to have faith in you because it's sometimes it's hard to trust you when we don't know if we can see tomorrow. But, God, we know and rest assured that as the song was said, we will trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Hallelujah. And we will not lean out to our own understanding. Help us today. I'm so glad that you brought us together. Lord God, rain upon your people. Give people, oh God, the hope to know that they can make it to another day. That because they made it to Sunday, they don't have to be hopeless. But there is hope. There is hope. There is life. They have been experiencing trauma throughout the week. Maybe they've been experiencing losses that they want not to express. But God, we know, Lord Jesus, that you brought them here to Christ said the church for such a time as this. That there is a message, there is a word specialized for their situation. And God, we even touch those who are watching. We pray that they are just as in part of this service, even though they're not physically here. Touch them wherever they are watching from, Lord God. We have members all over the country and over the world, Lord Jesus. We come to be a blessing, not just in Hamilton, but we come to be a blessing to the entire world because you have called us, oh God, to the byways and the hedges. You have called us to compel men, Lord God, from their lowest state that they will receive Christ Jesus. And we believe that if we can continue to provide the message of salvation, oh God, to, to provide the message of hope, the message of life that they can live and not die and i pray that you will bless them especially those who are not well 
100% in their body that they cannot be physically in the house. I pray that you touch them where they are, whether they're in their hospital beds, whether they are stricken in bed. I pray, God, that a word will come to them. Lord God, that a vision will come to them, that their eyes will be open, and that they can believe that the word of God can work and apply in their hearts. We trust that God is going to give us a successful week. We pray for, Lord God, the people of God, our pastor, his family, and all the workers that are here. We are believing God to do a great work. For, God, we're just on the threshold for what God is about to do in Hamilton. Father, I'm anticipating, hallelujah, for what God is about to do. It's about to be mind-blowing. Eyes have not seen or ears have heard. God, we're just patiently waiting. And when we wait, we'll continue to press in prayer. We'll continue to put wood to the fire. And we will bless the Lord. Let's put our hands together. Let's bless the Lord. Let's thank him. Because what God is about to do, I'm excited. Because God is about to do something that we have never even imagined. It's bigger than our thought. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Christ alone, our chief cornerstone, no other foundation can we build upon, not philosophy, nor the wisdom of man, on the ground is sinking Upon this rock you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we bind and lose, we proclaim your truth and in Jesus' name we will not fail. Hey! 
Just continue to praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Amen. We greet everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, give the Lord another round of applause this morning. It's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated if you can. Amen. Praise God. Indeed, it's an honor to be in the house of God this morning. Another time to praise and to magnify the Lord. Amen. A beautiful day. Another beautiful day that the Lord has made. And we are rejoicing it because he has made us glad. Amen. Upon this rock I'll build my church. Amen. And when you build something on a solid foundation, nothing can move it. But make sure that solid foundation is Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our online congregation, we greet you all this morning. Amen. Just feel at liberty. Worship the Lord this morning because he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Brother Thomas, come with a few announcements at this time. Amen. Morning, church. Yesterday, I got a chance to um, meet Rachel. We, uh, we gather on Saturdays at 11 o'clock, and we have uh, the Christ-Centered Living Series, which is the adult Bible study that we do um, on Saturdays at 11, and I met Rachel. She's in Florida. Barbara and Joe, I'm calling out to you this week because um, uh, I got something to share with you. Uh, Barbara and Joe serve on some committees here, so I'm just sharing this out to um, our virtual community, you're involved with us, and we want you to be engaged with us. And so come join us at our Bible studies. Come join us at our uh, adult 
Sunday school on Saturday. Come join us at 5 a.m. with us at prayer for our REACH campaign. Uh, we're in this together. You're there, we're here, but we're all in this together to go be with the Lord. And so join us. I'd like you to consider also, I'm talking to the virtual community today, I'd like you to also consider joining us at CSTI. CSDI is, uh, is on Zoom. It's on Sundays at 3 o'clock. And um, one of our members who's here in Hamilton with us right now is about to relocate to Virginia, and she's going to stay involved with our, with our group. And so uh, you can be wherever you are. Just be on the link with us, and uh, you are welcome to get a hold of me, and I'll share with you exactly how you can do that. Uh, the next semester start, trimester starts on in March, March the 16th, and if this isn't the time, Start with us in September and get involved. We'd love to have you. The youth are going to uh, follow through with their plans to go to Iceland and, and skate on Saturday the 26th. Um, it's targeted for the, the younger ones, the uh, ages 5 to 12. However, they would love to have everybody join. The more parents, the better. It's a two-hour skate uh, period from um, 12 on 45 to 245 is the free skate time and um, you've got to be on time because you've got to get sized up for skates you got to get your skates together you got to get on the ice and you have exactly two hours to skate because they come out and they they use that ice machine called the zamboni to clean it all up and get ready for the next session it's a busy place they have ice uh, skating there all day and they also have uh, hockey teams that train and, and play out of there so be there saturday 26th starting at 12.45. Winter fires this coming weekend in Connecticut. If you're hearing this for the first time, talk to us, and we'll let you know how that works. Um, there's, uh, and if this year doesn't work out, come next year. It's a great experience. Uh, there are people that come from all over the country to come to winter fire. North Central Jersey men are having uh, a men's meeting on um, Saturday the 5th. That will be in Newark from 11 to 1 at Refuge Apostolic Church. On the same day, we'll have our usual prayer breakfast. We're not having breakfast uh, necessarily that day, but we're coming for the Lord's manna, and we're going to pray. And it's a great experience to start at 8 a.m., and then the men will go on to Newark at 11. And please keep in mind um, on your calendar, ladies, the North Central Jersey District Ladies Group, the Ladies Ministry, will be having a real breakfast um, on Saturday, uh, March the 12th, that's a little bit away. It's from 9 to 12. It's at the Hilton Garden Inn here in Hamilton. And you can register on Eventbrite. Um, go on that website and the fees and other things all right there for you. Have a great day. Thank you, Brother Tom. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's praise the Lord one more time, everybody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It's truly indeed worthy to be praised. You know, I saw Hannah this morning one more time to, you know, greet everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, um, we're, we're living in, in, a, in a time, you know, such a, such a, you know, to some people may be a tough time and to others may be a rejoicing time. Uh, you know, to others it may be, you know, um, I just don't want to live anymore, you know. And, you know, it, it, it's so sad that, you know, when, when people have that kind of mindset, you know, not knowing, um, you know, who to turn to or who to talk to, you know, for them to get comfort, you know, um, they just think that they are all alone. And um, so, you know, 
I don't know I'm saying this too this morning, but you know, I know it was a few weeks ago where we, we um, heard that message about that young attorney. You know, she was a model. Um, she won Miss America, whatever um, contest. You know, have a bright future. She was very intelligent, smart. But, you know, we see people on a daily basis. We don't know what goes on in their mind or what's going on, you know, them. And this is how important today is that we have to share the love of Jesus with everyone that we can. Because tomorrow is not promised to us. And the more we can get caught up with Jesus Christ, the more we can love him, the more we can share his love with others, the better it goes. Amen. So I'm encouraging someone this morning. Say something to someone that is encouraging. Let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. You know, if they don't, if you don't have nothing to say, just say God bless you. But you're, you're, you're the crazy thing about that word. You say it sometimes. I don't. I use the term loosely, God bless you, but it's not that that, that crazy. I remember I, I was up in New York City, and um, uh, a, a taxi cab had pulled up beside me. I think he was trying to get into the slot, but I pulled up beside him, and I kind of pulled in the side. I put my indicator and pulled in the side, and. Um, I used the word, God bless you, to that young that driver, that taxi cab driver. And to be honest, I wouldn't stand here and lie to you. But that, that guy stopped the car, parked his car, and almost, you know, wanted to get into a fight with me. You know, so, you know, we, 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 we say words sometimes that, you know, to others it may be encouraging, and to others it may be an encouraging. You know, but, you know, if it's just the love, you know, I love you. You know, it goes a long way. Jesus loves us. He didn't have to die for us, but he gave his life for us. Amen. So just give, you know, and make sure your lights shine before men that they will see the good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And everybody say, it's offering time. It's offering time. Amen. We, we, we're in, um, you know, still trying to raise. And for those who already contribute towards uh, our REACH project, you know, we're trying to raise $1.7 to $2.5 million dollars. And for those who already contribute your your uh, your love offering or your sacrificial sacrificial giving, we greatly appreciate it. We thank you for those who you know were able to give, and for those who have not yet contributed towards it, we would like you to be a part of the miracle, part of what God has in store for us. Amen. We want you to be blessed. We want God to bless you. But the only way you can receive His blessing is by you giving unto the Lord. Amen. So if you want to give online, you can go to www.myccc.faith. You can go to PayPal, which is at the at sign Christ Center Church. And Cash App, it's the cash uh, dollar sign CCCC2711. Amen. And you can pay here electronically if you're here. We have two ushers in the front. Amen. Feel free to give your tithes and offering and unto the Lord. Be a blessing. We're going to invite you to stand with us as we pray this morning. Amen. Praise God. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us another privilege, O oh God. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for being our provider and our keeper, Lord God. We thank you for being our rock, our sword, and our shield, O oh God. Father God, as we're about to receive this morning offering, we ask your blessing, O oh God, upon every giver. Those who have to give and those who have not likewise. Help them to be a blessing in your kingdom. We ask you to keep us and that we'll continue to give unto you, Lord God, because you deserve all the glory and all the honor. We worship you and we thank you for everything as we look to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Give unto the Lord this morning. Bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord.
Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We worship him because of who he is. Amen. So, so wonderful. Thank you, Minister Scarlett. We appreciate you just always being a blessing to us and a servant unto the Lord. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord. I greet you. I greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus. It's so good to see everyone this morning. Amen. Sister Angela, you good this morning? I I, I, I have a bone that I got to pick with you. You don't have a bone to pick with me. She don't have a bone to pick with me. She 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 made a statement about that I don't call her name. I don't give her enough shout outs. I'm giving people shout outs over here and shout outs over there. And I don't give her shout outs. And you know what my response was to her? I don't bring hard old bread for anybody except for my family. But she get one. Uh, you know, so I'm wondering hey, look, how I get thrown under the bus. You know, I bring hard old bread to church. I bring it for my grandmother. I bring it for my father. I bring it for my family and nobody else but her. And she threw me under the bus and said, I don't shout her out all the time when I'm giving her hard old bread. And many people wish they was getting hard old bread. Man, I'll keep working to be better, Sister Angela. I'm going to do my best to be better. Whatever I can do to make it better, I will do. (laughs) Hallelujah. We thank God for all of you. We enjoy being in the house of the Lord. We enjoy being together. Amen. Last week, we had the privilege of going to Jersey City Evangelism Center, uh, one of our churches within the district, and we had such a great time. Pastor Leo Dante and his family treated us so good, his church family. They were all so good to us, and we had a great time, and we thank God for them, and God is doing a work in Jersey City, and we thank God for that church. Continue to keep them in your prayer. Because it is no joke um, <laughs> when you start a church and, and we know God is going to do what he's going to do. But you got to understand, God don't give you overnight stuff because there's a process. And in the process, there are things that transpires during the process. And if God skip over the process, you will not be prepared for some of the things that are ahead of you. So while the process sometimes seems so challenging and so hard and it seems like a struggle, you have to go through the process for you to be who God wants you to be. And so when you start a church up, you have to go through the process. And so they're going through the process, and I hope I was able to encourage them in the word of God because it is certainly a process. Um, Our church has been in existence for over seven years. We've gone through many processes, and we're still going through other processes. But we are embarking on something wonderful. It will be fantastic that moving towards our eighth year of existence, that we will one day in the near future, probably the next 120 days within that time, we will be able to walk into a 16,000 square foot building where we will own and we will be able to do some things that we aren't able to do here that we can do there. And not many churches that are eight years old that have uh, a a 16,000 square foot building that God will allow them to have church services in. That's a big feat for a church that is eight years old. But all I have to say is we give God all the praise and all the honor because all God is wanting his people to do is follow his will and do what he tells them and he will open those doors and he will make all of that possible so all we have to do is just keep doing God's will and whenever you do God's will he will just open the doors he will make the way he will provide and he will do what he wants we just have to be 
committed people. We just have to be available. We just have to be obedient to the word of God and God will do the rest. And we thank God that he is doing what he does. And we're looking forward to the future of us being a church and being together and doing God's will. Amen. Well, we had a great service this morning. That service went until 1030. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, these are some things that we'll laugh about when we get into the other building. We'll go back to our one service, I think. <laughs> well, the reason why I say I think, I know at least for the short while we will go to one service. But if God packed that place out, what are we going to do? The great news is we've got plenty of preachers. <laughs> so if the Lord wants us to go to three services because he packs us out, then we'll just have preachers just preaching up a storm. And we'll just have great church. But we, 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 we look forward to going to one service for at least the near future when we get there. And then we will see what God will do. Our building, and for you, those of you that don't know, is only about four minutes from here. So we are just still dead smack in our community and we are grateful for what God is doing. Amen. We still need to raise some money. We've got some things working. But as I said, you know, God has been good to us where financially, when you're in a place like this, the good news is um, you can put uh, most of the, the funds that come into the church into kingdom work. Kingdom work. That, that's what it's about. And so we have been able to do that. And I've been saying to God, whining, this is my whining to him. And he might smack me upside the head and say, stop whining. Don't I always do what I say I'm going to do? But my whining to him is, Father, I don't want us to go and get this nice place and financially struggle. I don't want that because we need to do kingdom business. And I don't want finance to be a hindrance to doing kingdom business. So that's why I'm praying that, um, uh, you know, if we don't raise enough money to pay it off, that when we get into the building, I mean, in the near future, we'll pay that thing off and just be done with it and not have to worry about finances as we do the, the, the work of the king. I'm going to share with you during this message today, probably um, some of the things that I believe that, you know, the Lord had put into our heart and, and, and that we have written down. And uh, because we've written it down, we know that we can move forward in it because it's important. It's important. And so I hope today God will help us and we will allow God to touch our hearts and do some great things in our life. If you will stand with me, we're going to get right into the reading of the word of God, Proverbs chapter 29 and then Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. Again, we welcome you to Christ Centered Church, um, our, our, our family that's online, our family that is here. We welcome you. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We are going to be an apostolic church. Come high or come low. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do his will. Amen. There, you know, I, you know, many people make this statement in different ways. But the first time I heard it was from Elder Swaggart. He's dead and gone and with the Lord right now. But I never forgot this statement. He said, if you live for God easy, it will be hard. But if you live for God hard, it will be easy. Don't ever forget that. It was a man of God that put that in my spirit. He's no longer here. But guess what? I'm still holding on to those words. And that just simply means when you give God everything you've got, it just becomes your routine, your habit. It just becomes who you are and what you do. And you don't struggle to do anything because it's what you do. But if you pick and choose what you do in Christ, then it becomes hard because now, you know, sometimes you find yourself between two decisions. Should I go here? Mm, I got to. Mm, and you struggle with going here and going 
going there. You struggle with doing this or doing that because you are trying to live for God easy. It becomes hard. But when you live for God hard, you don't think. You just do because it's what you do. It's who you are. So trust the Lord. He has great things in store for you and for this church. And I am so grateful. I am so thankful for the word of God today. Proverbs chapter 29. Amen. Verse number 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Amen. Habakkuk 2 and 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. I want you to lift up Opal Clark in your prayer. Um, she's sick with cancer, and we want God to touch her body, and we want God to uh, do what he wants to do in the midst of us before we end our church service today. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word, Lord God, is already established. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Oh God, we are so grateful for the word, for your word, and you are inseparable, Lord God. And today, Lord Jesus, we want your word to go into our heart, to take root, O oh God, to consume us and constrain us, that we, O oh God, may live according to the word of God, the word of God, that it will become a part of us, Lord God, and guide us and lead us into more truth, Lord. I pray today, Father, that the spirit of the Lord and the word of God will consume us and that change change will come into the deepest depths of our heart. Lord, somebody in this place need to experience, Lord God, the supernatural power of your spirit working deep down within them, Lord. The only turnaround that we can ever experience as people is by the touch of your hand, is by the moving of your spirit, Lord. And I pray for such, Lord God, in this service today, those that are in here today, physically present, but those also that are present, Lord God, online. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will do a miraculous and mighty work deep within them. That change will come. A turnaround will come. And, oh God, they will begin to see like they've never seen. Oh God, have your way today. We pray for Opal Clark that by your stripes you will receive healing and be made whole in the name of Jesus by the authority of the Word. And the power of your spirit, let her receive healing and wholeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to see uh, Brother Sharp this morning. Brother Sharp, it's good to see you. Brother Sharp, I cursed that sickness the other day. I'm tired of it. And so I, 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 I prayed in Jesus' name that that sickness never come back ever again. That's what I prayed. I said, Lord, let that sickness be gone forever. We don't want that coming back this way. We're tired of it. Amen. We don't want that thing to be anywhere close by anymore. Get rid of it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. Vision is more than sight. Vision is more than sight. Somebody tell your neighbor, vision is more than sight. 
Hallelujah. This word today of the Lord is a life changer. And if you will just receive the word today, it will certainly change your life and bring order to your life. Nobody wants to be blind. Blindness can severely impact our ability to function properly and effectively in this life. Lots of people think blindness is total loss of sight, but that's not completely true. Blindness begins with vision that is so bad that it interferes with an individual's daily activities. If you can't go out after dark, you can't see to drive safely, you have trouble cooking and cleaning, you can't read regular prints in a book or the screen on the computer, you find it dangerous to use power tools or you're having trouble on your job, you may be legally blind or close to it. Being blind is no fun, to say the least. But being blind doesn't stop one from living a proper, successful, and enjoyable life. Somebody say amen. If you don't believe me, I want you to take, for instance, Helen Keller. She lost her sight and hearing after a bout with illness at the age of 19 months. She, however, went on to become a true pioneer in her time, and for a woman living in the early 20th century, she was very political and was seen to have some pretty radical ideas. She went on to become a world-famous author and speaker with a particular focus on speaking out for people with disabilities. So clearly, sight does not determine whether a person live a proper, successful, and enjoyable life. Hear me. Sight does not determine whether a person live a proper, successful, and enjoyable life. But vision will. Vision will determine if you live a proper, successful, and enjoyable life. Sight won't, but vision will. Preacher, that's a big statement. I know it's a big statement, but hear me out as I go forward. You see, sight is a function of the eyes. Vision is a function of the spirit and the heart. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. Nothing noble or noteworthy, noteworthy on earth was ever done without vision. We just read about Helen Keller. No invention, development, or great feat was ever accomplished without the inspiring power of this mysterious source called vision. Vision sets you free from the limitations of what the eyes can see. Listen to this statement. God gave man a vision so man does not have to live 
by what he sees. God gave man a vision so man does not have to live by what he sees. Let me tell you how important that is. I'll just give you my understanding and my experience. When God calls you to the ministry and he tells you, we got to help to reap the harvest. We got to preach the gospel. We got to save souls. And, and all of these things that we understand why God gave his life so mankind can be saved. We are now in partnership with the Lord to help to do his bidding, to help to reach the world with the gospel, to help them know who he is. And so you feel burdened with that. And you look around every day when you go to work or you go to school or you go to the mall or you just walk around in your neighborhood or wherever you go, you look around and you see multitudes of people and you're saying to yourself, how do we reach these people? They're walking around just doing their thing. They're walking around like Jesus doesn't exist. They're walking around just living their life however they want. They're walking around and they're far from God. They don't know his word and it's multitude of people. And you look around and you become overwhelmed because in your mind, I'm supposed to be trying to reach these people. In your mind, you're looking around and you're saying, how do I reach this person? How do I reach that person? And then you find yourself, okay, I'm trying to work on this person over here, but so many others I need to reach. And you're just consumed and overwhelmed. What do you do about that? And my answer for you this morning is ask God for a vision. Ask God for a vision. Because when God gives you a vision, you will see people not in their current state, but you will see them what they will eventually become. You're not hearing me today. When God gives you a vision for the lost, he will give you a vision for what they will become, not what their present condition and their present state is. So I am not overwhelmed by what I see. I am just grateful and I already celebrate and praise the Lord for all that he will do in the lives of the people that are not yet saved. I think there's a scripture that says there are many more that is of the faith that is not yet name or present with you that you don't know about. So vision from the Lord will make you see things that don't yet exist. And so when you look around and you see all the drudgery, when you look around and you see all the killing and all the murders, when you look around and you see all that is wrong, you begin to say to yourself, God, give me a vision so I can see what you see. And God will give us a vision. That will make us see the skies open. Jesus ascend and just 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 hover there. And we which are alive and remain catching up with him to meet him in the air. And those that are dead in Christ will rise up and and, and we will begin to envision the things that will happen. Uh, we will go and spend eternity with him. And so we no longer find ourselves so consumed and overwhelmed by all that we're seeing because we have a vision for what it will be later on. Somebody say vision. God gave man a vision. So man does not have to live by what he sees. You can see things that are just terrible. But you don't have to keep your focus on those things. Have a vision of what the possibilities are. Of what will happen. It's important. It is vision 
that makes the unseen visible and the unknown possible. It is vision that makes the unseen visible and the unknown possible. The wise king of Israel, Solomon, stated in the book of Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish. So I'm going to help you this morning with that statement because I believe plenty of us uh, probably misunderstood that statement. That word vision in that text, that word vision does not refer to a dream of success that a person may have. It does not refer to your imagination of something that is not, that will eventually happen. That's not what it means. This word vision is referring to a prophetic revelation from God. That usually get us quiet because now we're saying, oh, you tell me I got to get a prophetic revelation from God? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So that word vision is not some great thought that you have, some invention that you may come up with. It is not some dream of your success that you may have. That's not what this word vision is talking about here in Proverbs. It's talking about a revelation from the Almighty God. The word perish when it says, without a vision, my people perish. The word perish does not mean people are dying. Again, back in the day, I might have thought without a vision, some fine plan, some intellectual thought or image that I have, and without that, guess what? I'm going to die, or the people are going to die. Well, today, understand what it really means. Without a revelation from God, the people perish, but it means not dying. The people will cast off restraint. All right. And so when you hear that, that sounds a little, you know, intelligent and real sharp. So you want me to break it down a little bit more. So here is another way of saying it. Without guidance of divine revelation from God, people abandon themselves to their own lustful and sinful ways, and they live life without proper restraints. So without vision, if you don't have a vision, a revelation from God, if you don't get that, you're going to live your life with lustful and sinful ways, and your life will be without restraint. You know why I can preach this message today passionately and with, with just with gusto? I haven't heard that word in a while. With gusto, you know why I can do it? Because I've lived this. I've lived this. I've lived a life without vision. I've lived a life that just what I like is what I'm going to do. I've lived a life and how I feel is how I'm going to roll. I've lived a life and is that what they're doing? Is that the latest? Okay, I'm going to get involved with the latest. I've lived that life where I don't have a vision from God. I did not have a vision from God. And all I did was what my eyes could see for me to do. What my eyes can see. Vision is more than sight. And so most people that exist in this world, brother, is they're living their life according to what their eyes can see, not according to vision. And it's killing us 
because our eyes will tell us things that, that, that we don't even realize that what we see isn't really what it is. By now, you would think that we would come to a place of understanding what you see these days, you can't trust it. Long time ago, we said, well, my eyes will tell me, my eyes tell me. Not necessarily in these days, especially if you're big on social media. You know that what your eyes are looking at may not be exactly what it is. These days, it goes both ways, but let me just go this way. Man, see a nice chick on social media? Ooh, she hot stuff. And then you go meet her in person, and you realize that's not really what it was, what it is. Huh? Yep. You want me to go a little deeper? Okay. For the men that don't know, all the women know this, men. Y'all might not know. You know what the Brazilian is? Y'all know what a Brazilian is? There's a lot of women that's going to get a Brazilian. And the Brazilian might have held up for about a year and a half or two years. And after the third year, the Brazilian going sideways. So what you think you're seeing is really not what it is. Do you want to live your life like that by looking at stuff and thinking, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live. This is what I want. Do you want to live your life like that? Or do you want to live your life with a vision from the almighty God? Yeah, this pastor's in the know. So in case y'all thought I was just some corny dude that just, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I am Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But guess what? I'm still in the know. I know what's going on. God's word restrains human wickedness and those who keep it are happy. Thus, a nation's well-being depends on its obedience to divine revelation from God. Where there is no revelation from the Lord of the future, people throw off self-control, personal discipline, and restraint. Simply put, vision is the source of personal and corporate discipline. You can't have real discipline until you get a vision from God. Everything you discipline yourself to do that is not about God sooner or later will lead you astray. Especially in our world, how, how things are changing so rapidly. How things are, so, are changing so much. You know what's funny? If you in the Hollywood scene, if you, if you with those people, as soon as you think you've got something going, man, I'm telling you, church, I wish you all can hear what I'm saying today and just begin to say, I'm with that. I'm living for God. Because in the, you know, Hollywood control a lot of what we, how we live our life, how we conduct our everyday life. And so one minute, you know, if you pay attention to all that's going on, one minute you see things like, okay, this is the thing, this is the thing. And all of a sudden it take a sharp left because somebody that is more influential than the last person come up with something new. So guess what? Everybody follow that person. That's how they roll. That's how they roll. In this world, in this life, it's who is the greatest influencer that get people to do something. You ready for it? 
I hate that I get these things in my mind when I'm preaching. Cryptocurrency. The people that have great influence is behind it. So they're going to push it on this market. Whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, guess what? The influential people, they're standing behind it. So just get ready to know that somehow cryptocurrency going to figure out in our society. Not because it makes sense or anything, but just because the smart people, the influential people is behind it. That's how our world is. But here is the, 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 the story. If somebody more influential than the most influential person behind crypto comes up with something else, they leave crypto behind and go with something else. Still want to live by sight or you want vision from the Lord because this world will twist and turn and lead you astray sight is a function of the eyes but vision is a function of the heart and the spirit you can have sight but no vision throughout history progress has been made only by people who have seen things that were not yet here Vision is seeing the future before it comes into being, and there is only one that knows the future. The Almighty God, Jesus Christ. This is why your vision must come from him. Because I don't care who you want to go to. You can go to palm readers. You can go to whoever you want to go to. Let them tell you the future. They're lying to you. They don't know it. There's only one that knows the future. Because he created the ending, then he went back to the beginning. He knows everything that will ever transpire in this life. So we need to go to him. And anybody else that try to tell you they know the future, they are lying to you. As a matter of fact, sometimes they will tell you what they think the future is. And then when you leave, the demons just follow behind you and make sure that's the future that come your way. (laughs) The future that they're telling you is what the demons want you to have. And so it's not the future, but the demons that are following you will make it becomes your future. Okay. Vision is a mental picture of your destiny. God gave humanity the gift of vision so we would not have to live only by what we see. The second time I've said that. The words vision and revelation are sometimes used interchangeably. To reveal means to unveil. I told him the story this morning about Walt Disney. Mr. Disney. Story I found real interesting about Mr. Disney. Mm -hmm. He had just opened Disney World and had only one ride in the park. Walt Disney was sitting on a bench on the park grounds, seeming to just stare into space. One of his workers who was manicuring the grass came past him and said, how are you, sir? Without looking at the man, Mr. Disney said, fine, and kept on staring. So the man said, Mr. Disney, what are you doing? Mr. Disney replied, I am looking at my mountain. He answered, I see the mountain right there. Walt Disney told his architect about his mountain. As he had talked, they wrote down and what he said, and they then drew up plans. Walt died before Space Mountain was built, so he never saw it constructed. When Space Mountain was dedicated, the governor and the mayor were present at at, at Disney World, and, and his widow was also there. One of the young men stood up 
to introduce Walt Disney's widow and said, it is a pity that Mr. Disney is not here today to see this mountain, but we're glad his wife is here. Mrs. Disney walked up to the podium, looked at the crowd and said, in effect, I must correct this young man. Walt already saw the mountain. It is you who are just now seeing it because Walt already pictured that thing in his mind. Walt already had a vision in his mind of what that mountain would be. Now, I'm not telling you that God gave Walt the, the vision. I'm just telling you how a vision operates. God give man the vision of a picture in their mind, uh, understanding in their mind of what God will do in that man, through that man, with that man, with a group, whatever. God gives you that picture. God gives you that, 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 that direction. God gives you that understanding. And when you get it, now you have it in your mind. But as we will go down and look at when we get that just so we don't lose it, we need to write it down. Write it down and make it plain. <laughs> write it down and make it plain when mr disney they how many times i tell you all this the world take sister shauna they take the, the the principles of the bible and use it and benefit from it and we are in the church we are the children of god and we're letting the world use our resources better than us what do you mean by that preacher mr disney Went to his architect. What do you think architects do? They put it down. So what that man had in his head, it now becomes something. And then after the architect, then guess who else coming? The builders come in and they start bringing it alive. It was all in his mind and now it comes alive. But that's what God expects for his church to do, that God gives his church a vision. He says, here you are. Here is what I will do with you. Here is how I will work in your church. Here is what we will do together. And he gives it to you. And when you get it, you got to write it down. You got to make notes of it. And then you communicate it. And then you begin to put action to it. So God can bring it to pass. It's a God vision. It's not a man vision. It's a God vision. Just in preparing this, this lesson, it made me have to go back and look at what we had wrote down. What we wrote down when we said we're going after purchasing that property of 16,000 uh, uh, square foot, the building. We, I had to go back and say, man, God, you really have this church where you want us to be. That's, that's how I felt when, when, when this word just flowing in me. I said, God, you really are working in Christ-centered church because we are just right in line, right in step with what you have instructed your people. And so I went back and I looked. I said, what did we write down? What did we write down as the vision? And I go, went back to our vision statement, and the vision statement says, the vision of Christ-centered church is to establish a 21st century apostolic church that is Christ-centered in lifestyle, principle, and power. And then we have our mission statement. But then I went and looked at some of the things we put down, making the vision plain, and here's what we said. We said, we will, we, we will um, this church... The 21st century apostolic church, this area will impact families and communities. This church facility that we will purchase will facilitate spiritual growth and the reaping of God's harvest. The harvest must be brought into the storehouse. We will, we will, uh, 
communicate by sharing the message of Jesus Christ to our community and make disciples by teaching them biblical truth. We will provide solution for addiction. We will provide solution for unmanaged anger, crime, and hate. We will help our children, youth, grow and develop spiritual disciplines and maturity that they may fulfill their God-given purpose in this life. We will minister to our seniors and provide assistance for them. Oh, yes, that they may be able to make their medical appointments to go shopping and engage in activities they enjoy. We will host weddings, funerals, baby dedication, and special events for our church family. We will be the hub and support for many future churches that will come around this area. We wrote this down. Before we went out and before we went and engaged, we wrote it down that God had given us a vision. God had given us a vision. And so we stand here today as a church knowing that we have a God-given vision. And we will go forward in the God-given vision. Listen, if you ask people why do they exist, most cannot tell you. They can't explain their purpose in this world. They have no vision, and that's why they can't explain it. This is not taking a shot at anybody. I'm trying to help you to understand when you are asked, what is your purpose in this life? Why do you exist? What will you explain? And you're going to stumble and bumble. You're going to be challenged, and you won't really know why. You will say a lot of things, but it won't make a whole lot of sense because you don't know why. And I'm here to tell you, just say to God, if I can't explain that God, it means I don't have a vision. You know what I love about God, church? Rosalie, you know what I love about God? We don't have to try to be something that we're not with him. We don't have to pretend. You know how we get around our people and when we don't know something, we try to either Google it or we try to, you know, gain enough information to act like we know when we really didn't know. We do that a lot, all the time. But with God, when you don't know, you just go to him and say, God, I can't explain my purpose. I can't explain why I exist. Yeah, I know you created me. Yeah, I know, you know, I'm here. But still, Lord, I really can't explain to nobody why I exist. I can't explain what I'm doing. And so you go to God and say that. And guess what? He smiles and says, I'm glad you came and asked. From the very beginning, Ethan, when God created man, God was always just waiting for man to ask so he can do and give unto man. Remember when Adam sinned, Adam started hiding and God came looking for him like, yo, man, we are, can I translate God for you that day? Adam, come on, man. What are you hiding for? You act like you can hide from me. I see everything. I know everything. I know where you are. Why are you pretending to hide, Adam? Come on, get out of here. Get from behind the tree and come talk to me. That's what he said to so many of us. And we still, because of the life that we live in this world, of pretending, we can't get past that. We're still pretending with God. And God is saying, are you kidding me? You can pretend with your friends and all these people that are not all-knowing, but you can't pretend with me. Come talk to me so I can give you what you need so you can be blessed and successful. Stop trying to hide. You can't hide from me. Why are we 
we thinking that we can dodge from God or we can hide from him or we can keep pretending? Oh, that's the last thing you want to do is pretend with God because your soul is at stake. Your eternal life is at stake. And for those of us who think we can handle hell, we're crazy to think that we can handle hell. You do not know what hell is like and you have no clue what you will go through to stay in hell for all eternity. You can't gamble with your life in thinking that, well, if I go to hell, I just go to hell. We're crazy think we can gamble that. Don't try that one, please. I don't want to see anybody try that. I don't want anybody to think that, oh, you know, if I go there, I just, you have no clue what that's like. There are things in this life that we've experienced that we say, well, I made it through that. Okay, that's in this life. Let me give this to you real good. Hell was not designed for people. Let me just leave it right there. Hell was not designed for people. So I am not going someplace that's not designed for me. You and I are the sum total of the choices and decisions we make every day. We can't look around and start to blame anybody for anything. We can't look around and think that, oh, it's because of them. No, you still have the right and the choice to make whatever decision you want. You don't have to make a decision because everybody else is making that decision. You can choose to stay where you are right now, or you can choose to move forward in pursuing the vision that God has for your life. God has a vision for your life. And you can choose to stay where you are and act like he doesn't and act like you got it all together. Or you can just surrender to God and say, God, I need a vision because I heard your word this morning. And the bottom line is I really can't explain why I'm here. I really can't explain what I'm supposed to be doing. I really can't explain what my future should be. Yeah, God, I know I want to go to heaven, but what is that all about? Vision is the primary motivator of human action, and therefore everything we do should be because of the vision God has placed in our heart. Vision influences the way you conduct your entire life, such as what you spend your time on, what you spend your money on, what your priorities are. Without vision, you have no values to guide your living. Life has no sense of direction. Activities has no meaning. Time has no purpose, and resources have no application without a vision when you're living your life with no vision you're to and fro one minute you're hot next minute you're cold one minute you're doing this next minute you're doing that because there's no god-given vision again i must continue to say vision is not some good idea that you came up with that you can create something or start something that 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 will help you to be resourceful that will help you to gain riches that will help you to have a blessed life to take care of your family that is not vision because that came from you you don't know the future as a matter of fact, how many people thought they could come up with something that, 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 that will make them prosperous? And guess what? Pandemic came, and now they don't have anything. You don't know the future. You need a God-given vision, not your own concoction that you come up with in your mind. You need a vision from God if you plan to make heaven your home or you plan to be one that will do something great for God. You need a vision. From God. Not, not, not something you're coming up with. Not some great idea. We always have great ideas. 
And then if you want to get technical, your great idea, you can you, just say you happen to come up with a great idea and it's great and everything. But you never get a vision from God. So you're going to enjoy life while you're here on earth. Maybe, 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 maybe you'll enjoy life here on earth. But when that life is over, then what? Then what? Because if you get your own vision, that vision is going to drive you, and you will never be able to get God's vision to drive you. There are people that God has given them vision, and they have just abandoned it. They have abandoned God's vision for their life because they rather follow their own vision. Vision is unselfish, church. And when you are caught up in a vision that only is about you, that's a first indication that it's not from God. Oh, I'm going to be rich. Oh, I'm going to make a difference in this life. Oh, I'm going to do this. You, 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 you. It's selfish. It's you. And it might not last. Oh, yeah, it could be five years, seven years, ten years. You can do something great and make good money. But who is to say it's going to last? Ask all those people that's been around for a long time and pandemic came and boom, here they go. Ask those people that started those, their business and all of a sudden they get sick and now they can't do what they used to do. Ask those people that had the business going and was thriving and all of a sudden, boom, they die. Ask them about that. Ask them how is that great uh, you know, thought and, 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 and whatever they came up with. Ask them how is that working for them. But when you get a vision from God, it doesn't matter if it's if I go in two years after the vision. Doesn't matter if I go seven years after the vision. Guess what? I'm gonna be all right because the vision that God gives you it is eternal. It is not temporary. It is not just bound to this life. The vision that God gives you it is eternal. Whenever you receive a vision from God, it's an eternal vision. It's not a temporary vision. It's not to just satisfy your desires. It's not just to give you finances in this temporary life. Realize that vision is both personal and corporate. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say something to you that was, that's going to challenge you. Personal vision will always be found within a larger corporate vision. I'll say that again. Personal vision will always be found within a larger corporate vision. What do you mean by that, preacher? It is not God's method to give a vision to a group. God don't communicate his vision to a group. That's not how he does. He gives the vision to an individual who shares the vision with the group and transfer it to them. The members of the group then run with the vision because they find in the vision their own personal vision to be fulfilled. So what does that mean, preacher? That means whatever vision that God has given this church, whatever vision God will give you, the two will complement each other. The two will connect together. That's the way it works. That's why you can trust when God sends you to a church, it's going to be fine. Because God is giving you a vision that's personal for you, but there's a vision for that church, and the two will mesh. The two will complement. The two will come together. And so understand this. That's why, Shauna, everybody won't be okay with the same church. Because some people might say, uh, my vision don't go along with that church. Now, let me say this. I'll be worried about that person. Because whatever vision God has given you, 
is going to be unselfish, and it's going to always have to do with touching lives. It's going to always have to do with helping people. It's going to always have to do with helping people get connected to Jesus. So whatever vision God has given you, that will be part of the vision. So if you get to a church and a church really has a God-given vision, like this church, then guess what? You will feel like, oh, yeah, I want to be there because you know what God has called me to do? You know, it's like this. Here's a good one. It's like this, Rosalie. If God called you to be a psychologist and you're in this church, God called you to be that. You didn't come up with that. God called you. Remember, vision is from God. God called you to be a psychologist. You know what you're going to hear from the preacher, the leader of the church? One day we will have a wing in our church where we will have our own psychologist physician that, you know what, he or she will have their own area where our young people and even some of our elders can go and just sit and talk and they can get good Christian guidance and good Christian direction from that psychologist. Some churches don't believe in that. This church believes in that. You see what I'm saying? So if you go to a church and they're like, oh, we don't want no psychologists in our church, then that, that, that is going to be, but, but, but we're okay at Christ Center Church with what God has given you. Whatever God has put into your heart as a vision, guess what? Trust me, it will be incorporated in this church because we're about the kingdom. We're about God's business. We're about the vision of God. We're not about what we want. We're not about selfishness. We just won't put up with sin. We just won't put up with unrighteousness. We just won't put up with unholiness. We're going to do what God says do. And as long as what God has given you is what God has given us, then guess what? You don't have to worry. It will manifest right here. We need a vision from God if we don't have one already. We need a vision from God if we don't have one already. Vision is more than sight. Everyone needs a vision. Somebody say, everyone needs a vision. Do you have sight or do you have vision? So many of us are walking around just with sight. Your success or failure is determined by vision, not by sight. Vision is more than sight. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. I'm going to close in a second here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Let me give you an example of what no vision looked like. You ready? Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them. Why was Jesus moved with compassion? Because they fainted. When he saw the multitude, they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. When we don't have a vision, we're like sheep and goats with no shepherd. When we don't have a vision, we're like sheep and goats without a shepherd. Understand this as I told him this morning. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, not the pastor. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. The pastor is the under shepherd of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus leads, the pastor is helping the flock follow Jesus, the good shepherd. And so the good shepherd is the one that gives you the vision. The good shepherd is the one that helps you to maintain and follow the vision. So the vision comes from him, and it must be in alignment with the group. 
as much as your vision is individual, it is also corporate and it's in alignment with the group. If you don't have a vision or not living according to your vision, you are like a sheep or a goat without a shepherd. Mm -hmm. The prophet Habakkuk asked God, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Sometimes we feel like we're calling on God and he's not listening. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? You're praying, you're calling on God, it's like he's not listening. If you haven't been there, you're lying. <laughs> or you just really not calling on the Lord. <laughs> because if you've been around any amount of time and you call on the Lord, there's sometimes you're like, man, God, you're not listening. You're not, you're not doing anything. You're not showing me any sign. Let me know you're, hit, you're hearing me. What is going on here? <laughs> Habakkuk was referring to all the problems and difficulties that were taking place in his nation. There was disorder, corruption, and murder, just like it is now. The Lord's answer to him was this. Write down the vision. I will give you and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the vision awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. And will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. But the righteous will live by faith. The vision that God will give you. The vision that you have. That vision you will receive awaits an appointed time. So when God gives you a vision, you can expect the vision to unfold when you think it should. That, that, that gets people frustrated because you think because you have a vision, you can tell when it's going to happen. Listen, God gave David a vision that he would be king of Israel. You know how long it took? A whole long time. So God gives visions, and when you think it's supposed to happen, it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh-huh. So when you hear the scripture talk about the vision waits for the end. It's not talking about the end when Jesus comes back. It's talking about when everything has been done for the vision to be fulfilled. That's the end. It speaks of the fulfillment and will not prove false. In other words, God is saying, if I gave you a vision, don't worry that it seems as if it's not happening. It will come to pass. God's vision will come to pass, no matter how it looks, no matter what you think, no matter how slow it seems like everything is moving, God's vision will come to pass. I got to tell myself that many times, because every once in a while I got to reach out to our attorneys. Every once in a while I had to reach out to the uh, architects and, and, and all these engineer people and say, hey, what you all doing? I got to reach out to the financial people and say, hey, do we have everything rolling? What's the status? I'm, I'm constantly sending emails, status, status of this, status of that. You would think I would sit back and says, the vision will be unfolded when God decides. But I'm not doing that. I'm still reaching out to these people saying, where are we? What's the story? How far are we in the process? When can we expect this? And I still believe that the vision will come to pass when God wanted to come to pass. I still know it will come to pass, but I still got to do what my part says I got to do. <laughs> That's funny. I'm always, man. If I show you all of my emails with these people, you're like, man, how much time do you, 
go back and forth with these people? A lot. (laughs) Jesus himself had a vision. When he was born, he kept his eyes completely fixed on his vision. His vision was revealed in his person, who he is. His nature and his characteristics. His vision was revealed because he revealed himself as truth. His vision revealed his kingdom. His vision was to demonstrate the plan of God for redemption of man by dying on the cross, being buried and resurrected and ascending into the heavens. Jesus had a vision. When Jesus died on the cross, guess what he said? It is finished. You know what he was saying was finished? Not the end of the age. He wasn't saying, you know, everything ceased now. No. The vision. Everything that I could do, everything that I put into action has all been done. And now the vision has been fulfilled. If Jesus had a vision and followed through continuously to be sure all of his actions followed through and led up to the vision. So church, understand what I said earlier when I said, the scripture said, without a vision, the people perish. Without a revelation from God for your personal life, without that revelation, you cast off all restraint and you will live recklessly and you will live out of control. But when you have a vision, guess what? You will be disciplined and all your actions that you do every day is calculated. Everything that you do, you really put some thought and some prayer to it because you know you have a vision and your focus is that uh, I will do everything I'm supposed to so that vision can come to pass. I will not make decisions that will get in the way of the vision. I will not do things that will interfere with the vision. The vision is straight ahead and I need to do everything I'm supposed to to be sure I do my part to fulfill that vision. And so when we don't have a vision, when we wake up, however we feel, that's what we do. When we don't have a vision, we just do what we feel like doing that day. But how about we calculate when we have a vision? Because we will. I use the example. We have two students from Princeton University that go to this church. And I use the example of them this morning. And for all of you people that went to school and doing great things, You started thinking about what you were going to do when you graduate college a little early in the game. You didn't start thinking about what you would do when you graduate college uh, while you were in college. No, no. You you, you had an idea. And guess what? You started doing everything. You know, what they say, we have those um, kids that take, you know, um, college prep courses. Right? So you, you take college prep courses, then guess what? You have people that, you know, hire people or go to places where you can study for the SAT so you know when you get to your SAT, you get highest scores. I mean, we're doing all these things, man. They have all these places now, Kumon and all this stuff where you go and study so you can be sharp and ready for where you're going. And so the deal is we prepare. And so we prepare, we prepare. And so we prepare so when we go into college, we know, we set, we kind of know where we're heading. And my question to us as Christian is, have we behaved like that concerning a vision that God has given us? 
And most of us, if we're going to be honest, we're going to say, nope, 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 nope. We just expect for God to do everything, and we just keep just rolling with the punches. That's not how it works. God wants us to do our part, and he will do his part. Jesus did his part, and the Spirit of God did its part. Remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus, all the way up to that point, and then his knees got weary. Oh, my goodness. If this cup could pass, Lord, let it pass. Nevertheless, not your will, but my will. And so when we get weary during the journey of walking to fulfill our vision, we will get weary sometimes. We will get tired sometimes. We will feel like giving up. But all we have to do is stop and say, Lord, will you strengthen me? Your vision is before me. You have given me a vision, and I want to fulfill my part in this vision so the vision can come to pass. And you pray, and then when you were weak, all of a sudden you will become strong so you can move forward so the vision can come to pass. That's what we ought to do. We got to do our part. We can't expect for God to do our part and his part in the vision. That's not the way it works. We don't do our part. Jesus don't do our part and his part in the vision. We do our part and he does his part. Vision is the key to an effective, proper, and godly life because when you know your destination, it helps you to discipline your life in ways that train, prepare, and provide for the fulfillment of the vision. Too many people, all you do is come to church. That's not enough when you have a vision. When you come to church, when you have a vision, <laughs> when you have a vision, when, when, when you have a vision from God, you just don't come to church. You come and you say, Pastor, God is putting some stuff in me. I'm, I'm not sure if I know exactly what it is, but can you pray with me on that? But while you're praying with me on that, Pastor, what do you need me to do? Because you know you have a vision. You know God is doing something within you. When you know God is doing something within you, you can't sit still. You've got to say, God, help me to, 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 to know, bring the, the, the vision clear, clear. Let me understand it so I can know what to do. Because when I do what I'm supposed to do, I'm helping myself and that church that you made me a part of. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. God will not let you be in a place where you're benefiting the place and the place is not benefiting you. God don't do that kind of stuff. If he brings you to the place, you will be a benefit to the place and the place will be a benefit to you. So let me just stop right there and tell you, that's real relationship. In every relationship that we have, that's what it's supposed to be. We can't have relationship that's one-sided. That's not relationship. Every relationship supposed to have the two entities bringing something to the table that benefits each other. You can't be in a relationship that you are only benefited and the other person is just like, what about me? That ain't no real relationship. Every relationship when the two entities come together, they benefit one another. It's meaningful to each other. That's what make it work. That's what make relationship good. That's what make it thrive. That's what make us like relationship because we're getting something as much as we're giving something. That's our relationship with God. 
And the reason why a lot of us are miserable and we're supposed to be Christian is this. We just want to receive and we don't want to give. And we think that that's going to help us have a good relationship with God. No way, no how. We're not going to have a good relationship with God if all we want to do is get God to give us stuff. Do for us. And we're doing nothing for him. That kind of relationship is never good. I don't care what it is. You and God, you and your spouse, you and your children, you and your friends, you and your church. I don't care where that relationship is. If only one side is given and the other side is not, that relationship is in trouble. You got to sit down and say, how do we make this relationship better? And the only way we make it better is that both of us make sure we do what benefits the other. That's why they say real relationship. We're all afraid of this. But they say real relationship is that you decide you're going to do everything to make the other person happy. Don't worry about what they do for you. You just determine in yourself that I'm going to do everything I can to make that person happy. We don't want to go that far because we're afraid of that. They ain't going to use me. They ain't going to have me doing this. And, but the Bible says perfect love cast out all fear. So if I'm like, if I'm godly and I'm loving you, I ain't afraid of what you're going to do to me. And you, what you do don't dictate how I love you. I don't care what you do. If I decide that I'm going to love you, you can't control what I do. I'm going to love you whether you like it or not. And however you want to behave, that's your business. That's what our God is doing for us and has always done for us. This is why the Bible said he loved us while we were yet sinners. So what he had determined is, regardless of how you behave, I'm going to love you. Now, you might end up being cast off and experience some crazy stuff in your life because you had decided you don't want to love me back. But that's on you. And that's, again, relationship. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you're loving them, but they're not loving you, trust me. If they keep going like that, they are headed for destruction because you reap what you sow. You think you're going to treat somebody crappy? You're going to do somebody wrong? And you think that's going to, you're going to live life joyous and prosperous? No, that doesn't work that way. The law of reciprocity must work. Whatever you sow, you got to reap. And so if you do somebody wrong, you're going to get done wrong. So don't think you can just treat somebody crappy and move on to somebody else that's going to treat you good. You're deceived. You're deceived because when you do that, what's going to happen is they're going to set you up even if they don't know they're setting you up and make you think they love you. And as soon as you give your heart to it, guess what? They just uh, and rip it out because you have ripped somebody's heart out. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. We got to get it together. We need a vision from God. Because that's what will make us be decent humans. We need a vision from God because that's what's going to make us treat people right. We need a vision from God because that's what's going to bring discipline in our life. And we don't behave like crazy people and do whatever we want and be all out in the place just crazy. We need a vision from God. We need a vision from God. And here, here it is. When you get a vision from God, what people do to you don't affect you that much. I'm not telling you it won't affect you. I'm just saying it won't affect you as much because your focus is so on the mission that you're on to fulfill that vision that, yeah, it might affect you a little here and there, but you're so focused that you're, you know what I've learned? And I'm finishing up here. A lot of the people that we read in the Bible, we like to talk about how uh, Jacob was a deceiver. We talk about Abraham lied. 
we talk about Noah drank and got drunk. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Peter cussed like a sailor one time, denied Jesus. I mean, we can go on and on. These are great, awesome men of God. And they are considered men of God. Why? Because they never abandoned the vision. That's what kept them going. That's why when they messed up, they was able to come back on and get on track. They never abandoned the vision. The vision that God gave them, no matter how much they went sideways, they, they, the vision got restored back. They got back on track to stay in the vein of the vision that God had given them. And that's what it's going to take for all of us. God is not calling you to be perfect. God is not saying that you're not going to mess up. God is not saying that you're not going to have challenges and weak moments. Uh, what he's saying is, when I give you a vision, it's going to be burned so into your mind, into your heart, into your spirit spirit that no matter what you go through you will always get back up and look toward the vision you will always know why you're living you will always know why you exist you will always know what you're supposed to do when you have a vision from God stand with me do you have a vision for your life in Christ if so how are you preparing and training to be sure the vision come to pass. If you have a vision, how are you preparing? How are you training? How are you, what, what are you doing to make sure that vision come to pass? What about heaven? Do you have a vision of being in heaven one day? If so, what are you doing to make sure you get to heaven? Church on Sunday? That's it? Church on Sunday? Some of us want to be, we want to get a promotion on our job. Try going here just on Mondays. Some of us want to get a degree in whatever we want to get a degree in. Okay. Try staying home all the time and don't go to class. Because I know most school, you miss three or four classes, you're going to fail for the semester. You're done. I don't care how smart you are. Three or four times you miss. It don't matter how smart you are. You fail in that class, you got to take it over. I don't know, maybe, you know. So I know when you're preparing to do something great in this life, oh, you, you give everything to that. You, you can't just be doing it just part-time. If the Lord Jesus has given you a vision that has not yet been fulfilled, hang on, sir. Hang on, ma'am. Keep doing the things that lead to the fulfillment of the vision. Jesus will bring it to pass. He is a man of his word. He is a man of his word. He will bring that vision to pass. You just keep on trusting in him. Keep on trusting in the Lord. Yes. When will the Lord bring this vision to pass? Wait for it. Wait for it. Will the Lord ever save my family? Wait for it. Wait for it. Will the Lord supply the need that I have? Wait for it. Wait for it. Don't let your sight dictate your actions. 
God has given us vision so sight don't have to control us. We've allowed sight to control us. Sight doesn't have to control us. What you see does not have to control you. Look around and say, I see this, but God, let me see what you want me to see. My eyes are seeing this, Lord, but will you give me a vision to see what you want me to see? I pray all the time. I say, God, I want to see people how you see them in the future, what you have in store for them. Let me see them that way. And that's why, church, I am not trying to tell you I'm better than anybody. But what I am saying is sometimes people think, man, you're just over the top. Because, you know, Rosalie, people would say blah, 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 blah about someone. And I would say, well, maybe they just don't know. And, you know, two months from now, a year from now, two years, God's going to do something great in their life. Yeah, you can say that, Pastor, because I see them and you don't understand. I refuse. I refuse to stay there about where they are. That's where they're always going to be. I refuse that. That's one of the things. You are you are legit pastor. I got to say it this way. Any pastor that's, in a, that's a legit pastor never see people the way they are. This is why people think that we're crazy sometimes. That's why people think we're crazy sometimes. Because when we see people, we see the greatest that could ever happen to them. We see the possibilities in their life. We never see them as they are. A real man of God, a real woman of God, do not see people how they are. We see them how the Lord will make them out to be. That's why we're okay with everybody. That's why we can deal with people the way we do. Because we're never seeing them how they are at that moment. And that challenges us. Because we're trying to communicate that to others and they're like, you, yeah, whatever. We're trying to communicate to them, just be patient. Just trust in the Lord. Trust me, later down the line, you're going to see a whole different thing. You're going to see a whole different thing. Just trust the Lord and let the Lord do what he's going to do. It'll be different. It'll be better. It'll work out. Just trust the Lord. But sometimes some of us are saying, you don't know what I've been through. I can't trust the Lord. I say this, ladies, let me tell you all this more than I tell it to the men. I like to tell the ladies, you don't start hitting your stride. Let me tell this pretty girl over here. You don't start hitting your stride yet till you hit about, you, not, you might not believe this. A woman don't start really being at her best till she hit about 40. Between 40 and 70, best years of your life. You can't see it when you're 20-something. You can't see it when you're 30. You're like... And all these, but but when you hit 40, you start going, you know who you are. You have confidence. You're a woman. You know what your good and your bad is. You know what you want, what you don't want. It just becomes different. The way how you walk is confident. And when they see you, they say something about her because it's just something about you. You know a whole lot more. You got things in your mind that you have learned from. So women, you don't hit your stride till you get about 40. When you hit 40 and between 40 and 70, you killing it. Just take care of yourself, and you will see that I'm not lying to you. Why am I telling you that? So you don't allow this time of your life when you're struggling to make it rule you. You make big decisions when you're at this point of your life because it's not going to be like that always. It's going to get so much better. It's going to get so much better. So don't let what happens at 25, don't let what happened at 30 and 35 make you make some major decision, and then you get to 45 and 50 with a whole lot of regrets. 
Hold on, ladies. Hold on and trust the Lord. Tell him to give you a vision so you can see it for yourself. Tell him to give you a vision that you can understand it for yourself and that you will make decisions that will lead you to that vision. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. Remember the vision that God shares with you is going to be a godly vision. It's not going to be a selfish vision. It's going to be a vision that will include the things of God being done and you being able to help and serve in a capacity where you will help the Lord fulfill his will here in earth. You've got to trust the Lord. If you don't have a vision today, I want you to pray with me as we close out. I want you to pray with me that God give me a vision that I will know what my purpose is. Give me a vision that I will know how I'm supposed to live my life. Because God, sometimes I find myself going to the left or going too far to the right because I don't know what I'm to do. Church, I stand before you today in my walk with God. I remember, I can see clearly every time I was drifting, it was because I didn't know what to do. This is why I'm so passionate about this message today. Every time I felt myself, I could look back all over my life as a Christian. And every time I didn't feel like I had direction, I didn't feel like I knew what I was supposed to do. That's when I find myself drifting. And that's when I find myself probably entering into things that I should not enter in because I am drifting because I don't have a vision. But when you get a vision, huh, maybe that's why I told you the other day, I feel like the Lord turned something on in me and I don't know what it is. And I just feel like there's something flowing. There's something flowing in my spirit like God turned something on. I don't know if that's a part of this vision that he has given this church and I can't control it. It's just something that's flowing. And I'm here to tell you, when you get a vision, there's something that begin to flow. You can't turn it off and you will just begin to go. You will just begin to do and you you will trust God for what he will do. We need a vision to keep on going. We need a vision to keep on doing. Because without a vision, we cast off restraint. Without a vision, we are just like a chaff in the wind being blown to and fro. Without a vision, we have no discipline to live for God. Without a vision, we're lost. Without a vision, we don't know where to go and what to do. Without a vision, People's impact in your life is greater than it's supposed to be. You should not let some of the impacts of people have on you. Some of the impact that people have had on your life, it's been too much. You need to get a vision so they will not impact your life. Because here, again, experience. When people's impact come on my life, you know why it's easy for me to shrug it off? Because I keep on going. A lot of people, over the years, I've told you this. People have come and said, hey, bro, you know, I want you to mentor me. I want you to do this. And I said, come on. But you know what? It never lasts because they can't keep up. You know why? My vision and what God has called me to do, it wasn't lining up with what they wanted from me. And so I keep going. And what they did, it just bounced off. It never stayed with me because I was so fixed on what the vision was that God has given me that whatever they were doing it seemed like I was I don't know, callous or something, but it's not because I was callous. When you have a vision, you're so focused and locked in uh, that when they throw stones at you, uh, when they say things about you, uh, you're not thinking about it because the vision is before you. The vision is ahead of you. The vision must be fulfilled. And so you can't allow anything to get into your way because of the vision. 
Somebody hear what I'm saying today. I, I, I tell you, if you will hear what I'm saying today, oh, God will do something. If you will hear what I'm saying today and hear me loud and clear, as I told my two students from Princeton today, I told them, don't you think that because God is going to give you a vision that now all your desires that you have, that you want to do in this life, that you won't do it. Here's a scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So don't think that because God gives you a vision, you have no thing that you can enjoy. Nonsense. You can have a vision and still experience delightful things that you had in your heart. But the vision must be what dominate how you live your life. The vision must be what controls how you live your life. The vision must be what dictates how you live your life. And so ask God today before you go. Don't leave this place without a vision from God. You're in the right place. Now ask God to show you the vision that he has in store for you. Will you lift your hands with me today, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, your word has gone forth, Lord God. Your word has gone forth, almighty God. And now, Lord Jesus, what can we do but ask for you to consume us, for you to affirm your word into our heart, for you to affirm, Lord God, your vision, Lord God. If, Lord Jesus, you had given us a vision and we have abandoned that vision, will you restore back to us that vision, Lord God? If you have not yet given us the vision because, Lord, we have been ignorant, we have gone in our own ways, I pray today for vision for every person in this house uh, under the sound of my voice Lord God uh, will you impart to them your vision Lord God uh, that they can see how their vision will fit in uh, to the vision for this church uh, and how you will use them uh, and how you will work through them uh, oh God let them know this is where you've called them to be uh, and let them know Lord God that what you have equipped them to do uh, you will do it through them that uh, here is where your vision will complement the personal vision uh, you have given them uh, for every person Lord God that is online uh, every person that is in this house today uh, I pray Lord uh, the vision of the 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 Lord oh God uh, we just don't want to see with our eyes uh, but we want your vision to be in our heart uh, we want your vision Lord God to be in our spirit Lord God in the name of Jesus uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, today, Lord God, I pray that there will be a turnaround in all of our lives because there's a vision that you will place, Lord God, into our spirit. And there will be a vision that will spring up, Lord God, and you will bring to us. And that from this day on, Lord God, we will go forward and never be distracted again and never doubt again and never, Lord God, God, allow ourselves, oh God, to live without the restraints of the Lord. Oh, my God, have your way today. Oh, God, we bless your name today. Somebody cry out to him. Somebody seek the Lord while he can be found. Somebody call on his name today. God is here to help us. God is here to touch us. God is here to help us. God is here to give us a vision. Will you receive it right now in the name of Jesus? Will you receive it right now in the name of Jesus? Oh, God, we give you the praise and the honor. 
Oh, God, we give you the praise and the honor. The Holy Ghost is in this place, church. God has spoken to your heart. His presence is with you right now. Absorb his presence. Oh, reach after him. Cry out to him. Sincerely ask him for his will to be done in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Vision is more than sight. Vision is more than sight. Ask Jesus to give you a vision today. Ask Jesus to give you a vision to walk right, to talk right, to live right, to give you a vision that you may know your purpose in his kingdom, that you may understand what you're supposed to do. Oh, in this kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, I stretch my hand forth. I stretch my hand forth and I pray, Lord God, the presence of the Lord will overshadow your people and the will of God will be done in their life. Constrain them in righteousness, Lord God. Let no weapon form against them prosper, Lord. Let not the adversary, let not the enemy get the best of them. But I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that your will will be done. And Lord, for those, oh God, that are in a place of stagnation, I pray that you'll deliver them and that you'll strengthen them and that you'll refresh and renew them. I pray today, Lord God, that there will be deliverance and restoration. I pray, Lord God, that you will move upon them. For with your vision, there will be a newness that will come upon them, that will operate in them, because they will know, Lord God, that this is a day, this is a day of new beginnings because of the vision that you have imparted to them. Help them to be steadfast. Help them to be unmovable. Help them to trust in you today, Lord God, that they will never, ever be the same again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you today, Lord. I give you the honor and the praise. I give you the honor and the praise for all these things that you have done and continue to do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Somebody thank the Lord today. Somebody thank the Lord today. Somebody thank the Lord today. God is great and greatly to be praised. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Church, I love you. Trust the Lord. Don't let go of the word today. If you don't think you have a vision, just keep on saying, Lord, I need a vision. Keep on saying, Lord, impart your vision to me. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. In Jesus' name.